Are you looking for expert analysis and the latest news in the promotional products industry? You must be, because you're listening to the Promo Marketing Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another action-packed episode of the Promo Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Sean Norris, Editor-in-Chief of Promo Marketing, joined as always by Brendan Menefe, Senior Digital Editor. Brendan, what's up, man? How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. How about you? I'm pretty fantastic, actually. Um, now that all the uh, the lawn mowing right outside the window has died down and we can actually record this episode. Yeah, it's always fun when that happens. A <laughs> uh, little ambiance, but uh, you know, it wasn't for me today. Um, our guest today on this, this episode is Justin Lawrence, uh, owner of Oklahoma Shirt Company, custom screen printing company based in Oklahoma City. We wanted to ask Justin about apparel decoration for distributors, but from the perspective of a decorator. So things like what distributors should know about finding and working with a decorator, how to get the most out of those relationships, uh, the stuff that drives decorators crazy, uh, some of the big trends he's seeing in decorated apparel, a whole bunch more. Awesome interview with Justin, really constructive and insightful stuff. No surprise that a lot of it came down to relationships and you know, building and, and maintaining those and all the things that go into that. Um, that's coming up in a few minutes. Before we get to that, I'm declaring that this is now an official Rocket City Trash Pandas appreciation episode. Are you, are you cool with that? Uh, you know I'm good with that, dude. I've been, I've been talking about minor league baseball for how many years have I been here? Pretty much since the start. The entire time I've known you, you've been yeah. talking about nothing but minor league baseball. Yeah. Um, this, so we covered the story. Oh, I mean, we've covered the Rocket City Trash Pandas a lot. I mean, we, we, I think primarily we are a promotional products industry news source. Our secondary uh, goal, our secondary job function is covering the trash pandas because they are awesome. Yeah. Um, and they haven't even played an inning of baseball yet. Right. And that, that's what the story was that, that I wanted to get into was they have not played uh, a single game yet. They were supposed to play last year, I think, but then the pandemic you know, messed all that up. But they have sold now $4 million in branded merchandise in two years. So that's $2 million a year. I think that shakes out too. Um, based on the, the stats we had from their previous year when they had yep. sold $2 million. Uh, that's just incredible. A um, little bit of back of the napkin math I, I did before this episode. You're going to be impressed. So there's a 120 minor league baseball teams. In 2019, they combined for uh, $85.7 million in merchandise sales. So that, that was a record. And I think the minor leagues have set a record for a couple years at, in a row. They'd keep topping the previous year. Um, that comes out to an average of $714,000 per team. So I don't know if the trash pandas are even included in the, that total that uh, 85.7 million because they aren't officially a team yet. They haven't played a game. Uh, but if you stack up their $2 million in merch sales each year versus the average of 714,000, I mean, that's even more impressive. They haven't played a game yeah, and they're still selling that much merch, right? Yeah. And you know, the fact that something we get into in the article is that they're, they said they're selling in all 50 states. And again, this is not really a major metropolitan area. It's not like you all hop on the bandwagon of a team from suburban Alabama. And like you're selling, but it's selling in all 50 states. Some of the fans, like in the story, they didn't, they thought it was a hockey team. Yeah. They just see it, and the logo is <laughs> great. great. Yeah. The name is great. There's what's, what else do you need? That was the AL.com article that, that broke this story. Um, and, and so hat tip to them for bringing it to our attention. 
Um, but it was, yeah, it was like what the owner or the, one of the execs of the team said that he was, he overheard a couple of teenagers leaving a, a store and with a bunch of trash pandas merchandise. And like the hundreds one of the dollars other, of, of trash pandas merchandise. The one says to the other, I, I don't even know what this is. I don't even watch hockey, but the, like, that's, <laughs> that's a testament to what the, they're doing. I mean, and you hit on this in, in the article. Um, let me find it here. So I thought this was, was really interesting. So you said that you wrote, there are two things that set the, the trash pandas apart, right? The first is the trash pandas name, which is like this, you know, the tongue in cheek name for a raccoon, uh, which, you know, I didn't even know that was a, a thing until, you know, learning about the team. Um, but the, the second was that the team could have easily been you know, the Madison trash pandas, which is the, the city that, that they're located in, but they chose, they went with rocket city. So, and that ties in with their, their regions. yeah, the regions ties to like, I think there's a NASA center there, uh, a whole like engineering and research, you know, uh, base of operations, whatever. But so you got the rocket city trash pandas, infinitely catchy name, lets them do a ton of cool stuff with their branding, which is, is where I was going with that it was like, the logo is is the best, right? It's yeah. a raccoon in a trash can that has little rocket airfoils on it, blasting off into space. Like you cannot beat that. It's it's the I think it's the pinnacle of of logo design. Right? Oh, and, and if if they just went with like you know the Madison Raccoons, fine, perfectly serviceable uh, minor league baseball team. But even if they did a logo the same, where it was like a, a rocket, everyone would be like, what? I don't get it. Yeah. If if they went with the medicine raccoons, we're not talking about them today. And no, they, you know, and you know, maybe some people in town who know about the space tie-in would be like, "That's clever," but no one in you know, I don't know, Maine is going to buy that that shirt. Right, and that that goes with one of the quotes that was in the AL.com article was another one of the execs who said something about it what was it if they were if they were called the the a team's called the bears that I don't, I already know everything I need to know about bears. I don't yeah. need to see it. I don't need to, I, it I don't need to see a logo. I know what a right. bear looks like. Um, so I, I thought that was, was really cool. I mean, I, if we're speaking, honestly, I have been to the rocket city trash pandas merchandise website and oh, I have was, too. was this close to coming away with the t-shirt. And I, I don't remember what, what derailed me or why I didn't pull the trigger, but it was, you know, that now there's now that that's top of mind, there's a good chance I'm going to go back. Yeah. I've, I've popped out there a few times now too. Um, there was uh, another thing in there. This, this was a quote from uh, vice president of the team, Leslie Nup. He said, uh, Honestly, every person that I told when I finally said I'm going to the Trash Pandas, they said that is an awesome name, and I need a hat. I need shirts. So right there, I mean, like it's. I say the same thing. Yeah, it's it's. There's just something about it. Something about the name, the logo, the branding, the way everything has come together, the way that this agency, I think they're called Brandios, mm-hmm. uh, who handled it and created the logo and the name and all that. There's just something about it that lends itself so well to merchandising, and that's obvious in. The, the amount of merchandise they've sold and the dollar figure behind it. Cause this, you know, they, they sold $2 million in their first year. And you know, you said in the article, it, this, it. this proves that this wasn't like a new, new team honeymoon period. I mean, you got a year where they didn't even play baseball and they sold $2 million. And yeah. The, the novelty hasn't worn off. And that, and again, they haven't played yet. Once they start playing and people actually like, you know, create attachments with, with the, players and they may start winning some games then it's just going to get even stronger right and when people can can go to a game and buy merchandise in the physical exactly. store that's there and you know how much merchandising comes along with that so uh 
that was awesome. I just, I really wanted to talk about that. You know, I'll talk about the trash pandas, any opportunity I get. We've covered them a number of times, but this was, this was really cool to see. Yeah. Uh, so good for them. And uh, next time we talk, maybe I'll be wearing a, a trash pandas hat. You never know. Um, but this sort of segues into the other thing that I wanted to get into. You wrote uh, another really good story. Uh, uh, I guess it'll be last week by the time we, we published this episode. Um, that was it. The uh, pro sports teams, so few of them have given away branded masks yeah. as game giveaways, right? Like now you've got a bunch of these teams. I guess every league is back in person in some capacity, right? Yeah, for the most part, at least in America. But. Yeah, at least in, in the U.S. But we read about, what was it, four maybe? Four teams doing yeah. mask giveaways. So, so you put together that piece that was just kind of like, hey, what the heck is going on here? Yeah, the Caps, the Caps is the one that really uh, got our attention because that was their home opener for the first time back in the arena after COVID. And then there were, I guess it was the Mets and the Pirates, I think, did the opening weekend ones. But that was, that was the only ones I've seen. Yeah, I think and, the, Was- the Washington Wizards also did a mass giveaway. So okay. it was the two, the two Washington indoor teams. Okay. Yeah, and you know, like it's like it's like we said in the like it's a no-brainer. If you're gonna have to wear masks in there anyway, the same way you give out a rally towel or a t-shirt for opening night, so everyone's wearing it. Why not the mask? And the the caps one was such a good example because it had not only the caps imagery on it, it had a sponsorship on it. So yeah, it was really well done. It looked great. Yeah, it uh, after seeing that, I'm like, why didn't everyone do this? And you know, you you made a good point in the article we did originally about how some of the uh, giveaways were underwhelming and it was that uh the fact that there's still a stockpile of giveaways from last year there wasn't a guarantee of things went off correctly right away so it made sense for teams not to be like we spent all this money on promo products and then for you know the commissioner to be like or like local government to be like nope no fans true i could see that impacting i mean the their scheduling of these things because you know masks are there's a time element to it where nobody really knows what's going on still when how long mask ordinances are going to be in place uh, yeah. you had what texas the, the rangers baseball team uh i think i don't know if masks were i'm gonna assume they weren't required in the game but they had like full capacity full, full capacity uh so lots of different different regulations different yeah. rules changing all the time so it, i could see it being the kind of thing where it's just hard to line up the, the timing and you don't want to invest in a product that you may not actually be able to give away. No. Yeah. I, uh, I get it. But, but you know, who did like this story was Ted Leonsis, the, uh, the owner of the capitals and wizards. <laughs> yeah. he, he retweeted this. So that was, that was pretty cool. Always cool uh, to be a fan. So maybe, you know, maybe uh, some of his buddies who, who own other sports teams see it and, and they're like, Oh yeah, you're right. Why aren't we doing branded masks? And then they go buy some Thank for us. their games too. And then you have so, season tickets to the Phillies. That would be cool. We'll, we'll see about that. <laughs> uh, that's all I had today uh, to get into before uh, go trash pandas, obviously. Always. Um, and uh, yeah, let's get into our interview with, with Justin. It was some really good stuff in there and uh, we'll, we'll see what he has to say. Uh, welcome to the show, Justin. Um, it was a fun start. Um, do you want to just introduce yourself and to give a little background on your, your company and kind of everything you guys do? I think that'd be a good way to kick it off. You bet. Justin Lawrence, um, I own and operate Oklahoma Shirt Company. Uh, we are now the largest screen printer in Oklahoma. We employ today, we just hired another person. So now we employ 53 
hardworking Oklahomans. Um, we have six automatic presses. We have three manual presses. We have uh, 16 heads of embroidery, uh, direct garment, um, full fulfillment. Uh, we made our mark on the industry early on by our kind of flagship shirt of the month program. Um, I didn't invent shirt of the month, um, but no one was doing it at the time except for some other company and they weren't doing it very well. So we, uh, I believe that we kind of set the bar and the golden standard for what it means to have a t-shirt subscription company. And we, uh, that was, uh, that really helped us grow to the place that we are today. Um, we ha I've got two stores. I got a store in Oklahoma city where all of our production happens. We're in downtown. Then we have a store in Eufaula, which is my hometown. And that's about two hours away from here. It's a lake town. So it's kind of like a ski resort town. You know, there's 3,000 people that live there during the week. And then on the weekends, um, anywhere between 60 and 80,000 people swarm in to, you know, live their best lake life. Um, down there, we do screen printing and embroidery and direct garment. And we have uh, a pretty impressive retail selection of designs that we made here in Oklahoma City. I think the things that make us, the, some of the things that make us the most special is um, our art department. I take a... Um, I take a lot of pride in our art department. It's curated very well, and our artists um, are—I mean, you can't touch them. So that—that's really kind of one of the big secret sauces for us and looking out for our customers and why um, we're really trying to live into our name and be Oklahoma's shirt company. And I think why a lot of Oklahomans trust us. And with all the action and growth that's happening in Oklahoma City right now, um, we're right in the heart of it all, and it's—and it's a blast. So we—I started this business in 2013. Uh, we turn eight this year and uh, looking forward to more. I, I don't see us buying more automatics. You know, what's next for us is probably a second shift and more people. Um, and I'm done growing like crazy for a little while. That was, a, that was an aggressive decade. And um, I'm thankful that I'm still married and <laughs> did, uh, know who I am. I, I originally, I wasn't planning on making t-shirts. You know, I went to... Uh, I was working, I was playing music, working for some churches, um, and decided I want to go to medical school. So I, I quit working for the church and started doing my pre-med stuff. When I got accepted to medical school, I moved my business. I started screen printing in my garage because I needed to still provide some revenue for my family. And when I got accepted to medical school, I, it's downtown. So I moved my business downtown thinking that I could go to school and run this at the same time. I was uh, very, very wrong. After the first year of med school, we had our second kid. Uh, the business was blowing up, and I had to quit. So I quit med school, and I've, we've been here ever since. And uh, it's just getting more exciting. Very cool, man. Um, so I have to ask, before we really get going here, are, are you a Star Wars fan? Because we're recording this on May the 4th, and as a member of the media, I'm both professionally and morally obligated to talk about Star Wars today, at least somewhere in our coverage. Uh, this will be releasing Wednesday, so it'll be passed by them, but i got to at least ask the question. I love Star Wars. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. So I love Star Wars, like probably like you love Star Wars, but I really like Star Wars. So so you're like you're like an you know that that next tier down and super fan? Test me. <laughs> well, I was gonna say I'm asking mainly because for today's episode, I'm envisioning you as kind of the Obi-Wan Kenobi of decorated apparel. <laughs> so you're you're like the wise master who's coming in and you're gonna teach our audience the ways of the force, which in, in this case is apparel decoration. And and you know, we're gonna Hopefully all the Luke Skywalkers that are coming in here 
uh, you know, raw and, and needing to learn a thing or two about apparel and really kind of become the Jedi master themselves. That's, that's really how I wanted to position you today as our, uh, our subject matter expert. And I think you really fit the bill. And now you're, you're walking around your shop. I'm hoping you're going to go pull out a lightsaber or something, but yes. Whoa. <laughs> this is Darth Man's Vader. At home. He did. Uh, we just went to Disney uh, and I had, I got Darth Vader's lightsaber. We also got these, uh, like these things are the teeth of like the, not the, what's the animal that like you fight, not the Sarlacc, but the, the Rancor. Rancor. Those are Rancor teeth that are shot glasses. Pretty cool. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> Um, this, <laughs> uh, this is the lightsaber case that like holds the lightsaber, which is pretty cool. And then I got, I've got Grogu, um, yes. Dylan with so, a little, uh, what are those called? Uh, I think that's a porg, yeah, know, a uh, cup, right? A cup, pork yeah. cup. Yep. So yeah, I love Star Wars. So we're going to, we're actually going to just talk about Star Wars today, the whole episode. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so let's get into this. We see a lot of the time uh, promo distributors can be sort of hands off about apparel decoration. You know, it's, Oh, we'll just ship this off to our decorator. They'll take care of it. Um, but you know, by learning more and knowing more about kind of the art and the science of decoration, distributors can actually save money, generate more business. You know, there's, there's like a lot of value in knowing those things that you might not really realize if you're just kind of getting into the business and you are just sending things off to the decorator. Right. So I'm curious, you know, on, What's your perspective on this as a decorator? What do you see, you know, from distributors and, and, you know, what are some of those things that they may not know that can actually you know, do those things, help them save money and, and all that stuff? Yeah. The people who make promotional products, we do not make promotional products. We make t-shirts, we do embroidery. Um, we do, we have pad printers, so we do pad printing, but we pad print the inside label of shirts. We don't necessarily pad print golf balls and pins and all this. We haven't done it yet. I'd love to try it. Um, most. So we sell, for, we have an account with Sage. We sell promotional products here. Um, and most of the vendors that we work with, it is a pain in the ass. Every, can I say ass? I shouldn't say you, ass. You just did. Really? It's you done. Did, it's a yeah. set. <laughs> it is wildly inconvenient to work with um, promotional products distributors. And the reason that is, is not because the product, it's because it's a custom product each time. And each time that we engage with a different, you know, we go to Sage, what do you want? Uh, I want to get these power bricks that have the name on the side of it. And it also, you know, has bubbles. Okay, cool. So we go find that. And then we find that company that's going to make it. And we engage in a relationship with them. We start and we order from them. And then likely we never order from them again, you know, cause there's so many different people in the marketplace, especially with ASI and Sage. And so then we don't, we've, we've gone through their approval processes. We've gone through their, maybe their prepayment or their, um, you know, they, they want to charge our card or we have to put some sort of deposit or some of them make us mail them a check. Each interaction is different and that's what makes it a pain in the ass. So the same is true with us. Like when you reach out and say, Hey, I need to get these shirts for my people. What you have to remember is as a screen printer, we have three different kinds of customers. We have retail customers. You know, that's the coach of the flaming, flaming unicorns under seven soccer team that comes in and wants jerseys that wants it screen printed and then wants vinyl cut on the back and then want it fold, wants it folded and then put in bags for each of their people. So we have that customer and that customer, we get to charge them 12 to 15, maybe even $20 for that shirt. If 
you as a wholesaler or a broker or a promotional products distributor calls us and makes the same order, we have to do the same amount of work for you guys, but we only get to charge you like $3 and 25 cents, you know, and that, so that, that's hard. So already a lot of decorators or apparel decorators probably aren't really motivated to do contract or wholesale printing. Um, and, and so I think that that's kind of, we, I recognize that we're a pain in the ass to work with because it's the same thing. You, you reach out to us, we got to get your artwork. We tell you your artwork's wrong or it's not in the format that we want it. So we kick it back to you and then you have to go back to your customer. And like, it's just, uh, it's hard. And I, I think that they're also, so what we've pivoted to is finding, um, is trying to find vendors in the promotional product space that we can truly establish relationships with. And we have an account representative and we know that like, okay, if we're going to order Red Bulls and we need labels on them, we could probably get this from this other guy that we've never worked with cheaper. Or we know that because of whomever hit promo products, whatever we, we work with them enough that we know that we might pay a little bit more, but we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We know that it's the delivery is on time. We know that they're not going to gouge us on shipping. We know if something's not right, that we can go um, back to them and ask. And that's, I think that's probably the thing that's the hardest is I feel like I, this isn't us as apparel decorators. I'm sure there are people that do do this. Um, but it seems like maybe two or three times out of 10 with promotional products distributors, there's something wrong with the order. You know, either the print size is much too small or the, uh, it's not, the quality isn't there or even the product itself was misrepresented on the website. And so our customers are disappointed. And um, so I, I think it's hard because we're all making custom products. We're all trying to stand in front of the customer and promise them the world and then have somebody else cash that check. Um, and so I, I don't know what to do to make it better other than relationships and communication and, um, yeah, I, but I, I hope that I have to revisit your question. Um, learning about, yeah, we can, it's, I can understand why it's easy to be hands off. So the only way to truly be hands off with somebody is to trust them and have a relationship. And so if you want to be hands off and you need to invest in that relationship, the first five orders need to be very hands on and then you can be hands off once you trust it. Like anything else, you know, in business as you're scaling your business. But if you're going to hop around like we do and say yes to everything and try to like make everybody's dreams come true, then you're going to have to be a little more hands-on than you want to probably. So let's say I'm a distributor working with you for the first time and want to avoid all this headache and I don't want to be a pain in the ass to you. Uh, how can we get this relationship going and get the best out of it for both of us? Um, don't start the relationship with a rush. You know, that's how most relationships Golden rule right are. there. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, like, oh, dude, we've been doing this for 20 years and we have our favorite screen printer and they, whatever reason, and, oh, okay, cool. Well, hey, can, they can't help us and we've been thinking about changing anyways. Do you think you guys can help us? You bet. We'd love to. What do you need? Uh, we need 15,000 shirts next Tuesday. And the people that have been printing for us, this is what they charged. And so we're kind of hoping that you could charge the same thing, but like, Oh, so you're saying you asked the person to do it and they couldn't for whatever reason. And now you're just shopping to try to find someone else because your procrastination has now become my emergency, right? No, set up a relationship and, and don't burn through vendors. You know, t-shirts are different than uh, promotional products. So I would say, again, it's about relationship. And also 
the cheapest price isn't always the answer. You know, I, um, I think that our, one of the best, I said our art department earlier during the introduction, but actually I think that the real secret to our success is a team that we have here that I call our customer care team. And they are the ones that handle the job from beginning to end. They're the back and forth. They're the, they're the relationship. They're the communication. They're the, here's your proof. Here's your pricing. Hey, this isn't right. Hey, if we need to ship it, Hey, we've shipped it. You know, just all of the communication. Communication is so key. And there's no such thing as too much, too much communication in our industry. I think everyone, we're, we all feel the pressure of trying to have our margins be as low as possible, which usually for us means not have as much staffing as we need. And so I'm trying to invest in staffing so that um, when people do want to engage with us, we make it as easy as possible. You should do all the heavy lifting if you're the vendor, right? We're the vendor for most people. And so... Yeah, I want to. Ch I'll chase you. I'll chase you on your sizes. I'll chase you on your art. I'll chase you on you. You give me a deadline, and then I might annoy the hell out of you. But we're gonna get those shirts done by the time you need them done because you've given us that deadline, and that's what's important to us. So I would say relationship, and also if your first opportunity to work with someone is a rush, it's that's okay. That's often how new relationships are formed, and then quickly ruined or galvanized. You know, if I can come through for you in the last minute for something that um, is really hard or something that you're unable to deliver on, then that usually gives people a lot of confidence of like, oh, these are the kind of people that I want to mess with. But you just need to, again, I work with a lot of brokers and everyone thinks it's easy to sell one job of 500 t-shirts. Um, it's not though when you have 20 of those. And if, every, if, you're, if all of your relationships with your vendors or screen printers or whatever are all feel rushed or feel like a last minute, or you feel like you're apologizing all the time, you're doing it wrong. You need to do it different. There's a way to do this professionally and sustainably and responsibly and have a good time and make money while you're doing it. That's what we're trying to do. So you said a minute ago, t-shirts are different than promotional products, which is seems obvious, but you know there are a lot of differences between the two, especially when it comes to decorating them. Um, but what about some of the differences in decorating specific types of apparel? You know, you got t-shirts versus hats versus masks and you got different materials and, and different imprint areas and all that. You know, what are some things that a distributor should know there to really kind of make that process easier for, for both of you guys? Um, <clears throat> don't sell something that you have no idea what you're selling. It's okay to ask for samples. Um, it's also okay to ask your, so if you work with a screen printer, um, the mocks that you get need to have some very specific things on the mock. It needs to have dimensions. And as a screen printer, the first five years of us doing business, I did not put dimensions on our mocks. It didn't burn us a whole lot. Um, it's just a pain in the ass. You know, when you're thinking about like, oh, I got to, it's just one more thing you have to update. It's one more thing you have to update. No. If PMS, don't use the word PMS unless you're serious. So on the mocks, you know, if you, if you look at the colors, if you're asking for PMSs, it needs to be there represented in PMS because that's an agreement. That's a contract as far as I'm concerned. If someone uses the word PMS, I push back and say, are you for real? Or are you just like, you want to, you're trying to sound big or is this important to you or your customer? And how close do we have to get? Because we're custom mixing that ink to them every time. And so that's, that's important to, so the more, again, over communication details, you need to be seeing dimensions. If there's a hat, you need to see the dimension of what's going to be sewn. 
and you need to have a damn ruler <laughs> by your desk. I have two of them because people steal my rulers all the time. And this is the greatest tool. It's one so that's of them. A, that's when, a serious ruler you got there. When you say three and a half inches, I mean, either pull out your business card, you know, and measure it and use that against the hat or the, the bag that you're decorating or use a real ruler and do width and length. Because if you do that, there's no room for interpretation. You're especially in wholesale or contract. Um, there should be no room for interpretation primarily because we're, you're paying, you get the cheap price from us um, to decorate your stuff because you're doing all the work for us. You know, it doesn't involve my art department. It doesn't involve my fulfillment or warehouse. It doesn't involve my customer care team. We get to bypass the whole front of house and go straight to production. So just make sure that all of the, all of the expectations and needs are communicated on the mock sizes, placement, you know, it should show front left chest, and then it should probably also say front left chest on it. And it should say three and a half by three and a half inches. And it should say the exact color. And it should say screen printing or it should say embroidery or it should say direct to garment. Um, just it's that mock. The mock is everything. The mock is the contract. The mock, no one's ever going to, with us, if we print something wrong, if it's your fault or our fault, we're always going to reprint it. And I'm not going to, you never win a battle. If I, if I put my foot down and say, damn it, this is the one. No, like. That person will never do business with us again. And I would rather go out of a relationship in control of like, hey, we're not going to print for you guys anymore because you're hard to work with versus, you know, us saying, well, you approved it and your customer approved it. Now, again, if it's 25,000 pieces, that's a completely different story. If it's 25 pieces, then yeah, we're going to make it right because at the end of the day, it's about relationship and it's about setting you up for success. So yeah, communication, mocks, sizing, um, artwork, you know, make sure your artwork is actually good. And when, when I mean good artwork, I mean like when your screen printer emails you and says, hey, I need, a, I need a vector image of this, or I need it in a PDF, or I need it in an EPS, that doesn't mean, I used to do this as a young designer, that doesn't mean open up the file, save as, or export. I was gonna say, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> <laughs> no. And then, the, I mean, we're going to, and so what, so then if you don't have good art, then pay for it. You know, someone like us, we should be, you have, we have an art department. We charge $30 per hour for art. And so if you don't have good art, we'll let you know, Hey, you need to get this back to us in the right way, or we're happy to fix this for you or rebuild it. It will take approximately this amount of time. It might delay the job a little bit. Um, but you just, you know, good, good art in good product out so you mentioned the distributors who uh you know they were told no to the twenty-five thousand by next wednesday and uh you know dad said no so they asked mom obviously that's not the best way to get the uh relationship off the ground but what about some distributors who might not have a go-to apparel decorator yet what are some things they should look for in a decorator partner um that's a good question you should call Oklahoma Shirt Company. Um, we've there it is. <laughs> no. You know, I just lobbed you that one. You knocked it out of the park. I think that um, I think that if I was shopping for a apparel decorator, which I think about often, really, like I think about from a from our size, you know, if we eliminated production, we would eliminate 85, 90 percent of all of our headaches and heartbreaks. But 
because we have the production capacity and capabilities that we do, that's also what makes us who we are. Um, I would, I think professionalism is what is going to sustain a relationship for the longest time. I think that a small person in their garage um, or a small business in their garage, which is where we started, um, you are able to do certain things that big shops are not able to do. You are. You're just able to say yes more often. And when I say yes, um, it, I'm writing that check and I'm cashing when I'm the small shop in my garage, right? I'm, I'm doing that art. I'm ordering those shirts. They're coming here. I'm going to print them. Then I'm going to drive them down to UPS. And then I'm going to text or email you the tracking information. When you come and work with us, a bigger shop, it's different. You know, I might say, yeah, we're on a five to seven day turn right now. I probably, probably would be more willing to work with the shops that tell me no occasionally than, tell, than the shops that say yes every single time. Now, we are a shop that says yes every single time to some customers. You know, if you're an NBA team and you happen to be called the Oklahoma City Thunder, like we have a rule, it's funny. Like we don't say no to the Thunder. Whatever the Thunder wants, the Thunder gets. And that's just because that's, that's what we do. It's a privilege to serve like our NBA team, right? And That's actually your, your slogan on your website, isn't it? We don't <laughs> say no to the Thunder. It's like right under the, the company name. Uh, so I would, I would just like in relationships, everything. Like I would, I, would, I would try to have a relationship with the shop owner so if you're prospecting out, if you want, are you looking for a new vendor, you should be emailing me or calling me and insisting to talk to me because I'm going to be, I'm like, I'm going to be here, right? I've in, in, in eight years, this is, I'm not proud of this, but in eight years, we have had six different sales managers. So, you know, if you establish a new relationship with somebody and everything's going great and then that person doesn't work there anymore, then you you're, hopefully you'll get a good introduction. But if you don't, you can always lean back on that relationship with the owner that you, again, I, I'm the first to tell people like, I'm not gonna service your account. I can't, I will not do it well. I have more to take care of than I need to, but I'm gonna get you in the hands of a very capable team. And if anything ever goes wrong, or if I need to get somebody's attention, here's my cell phone number, here's my email address, and here's my home address, and my kids, like, Snapchat, right? Get in there. <laughs> if you need to get someone's attention, here's how you do it. But I hope that most everything should be, you know, pretty clean, letting the team handle it. And so that, I would say, like, look at a company and ask them, hey, tell me, tell me about your company. How many employees do you have? That's a big question. Um, I think how much revenue do you guys generate per year is a good question. You know, if someone's generating less than a million dollars a year, um, they're not, um, they're probably doing well, but they're not going to be a big business. You know, they're, they're going to be able to handle a lot of stuff that you do, but they're probably still in their garage. Um, who are some of your top, tell, can you tell me who some of your top clients are? That's just like a job interview. You know, what, um, how many presses do you have? Uh, last time you messed up a job, what happened? How'd you fix it? Um, do you have any sort of policy if like my customer gets stuff that you make and they don't like it? How are we going to handle that? You know, ask those questions before it happens so you have an expectation and an understanding. So that way in three months, because we mess up orders all the time, it's a custom product, you know, and for someone to say that they nail it every time is a 
liar. But yeah, I feel I feel like that's the company you don't want to trust if somebody tells you that, and when you're you know seeking out a part a new decorating partner, that's like red flag number one. Yep. Yeah, I would I would probably just be bold in what you ask, and if you don't if you can't if you can be bold and you're satisfied with the answers that you're getting, and there's a little bit of rapport and relationship, man, that checks all of those boxes, and I think you're going to be good. And don't even don't don't ask about pricing. Don't ask about pricing at least until the very end. Say, hey, it, we have to talk about pricing at some point, relationships first, but um, could you email me over your wholesale pricing list or, um, and just do that? And then I also would say, before you fall in love with somebody, test them, you know, give them a job. And that's what I tell people when they call me. I'm like, hey, I, I, can, I can sell you all day long. That's what I do well as a salesman. And most of the people that are brokering or shop owners are entrepreneurial in spirit and are really good at selling themselves. So what I say is like, hey, here's all this. Dude, give us an order or two. I'm not even like, I, let's not even worry about pricing. I don't even want to give you pricing. Send me an order and let me do one, 12 or 20 or 200 shirts. And then I'll build an invoice and we'll just do it all. And we can just, we can speed this up really fast. And if you're happy with the service and you're happy with the quality and the pricing may concern you, dude, pricing, we can adjust. If you're happy with the pricing and quality, um, even the service, we can adjust. If you're happy with the pricing and service that you get, but you're not happy with the quality, we can adjust that too. Let me know what, where you want to, this to be. And we, the custom customization of the relationship doesn't stop with the products that we're creating. You know, and that's, I save room for me. I have about 10 accounts that I service. And it's because of that custom interaction. I can't give them to my customer care team. I have a guy who runs a brand um, and my, I would, my team would quit if they had to deal with half the bullshit that he throws at me. But that's part of it, you know? Like, and I, I can take things and then I can get them, I can interpret and then get them ready and hand them off to my team. But that's what I would say. Like, develop a relationship with somebody and then send them a job. Test them and say, hey, I'm going to send you one job. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, then it doesn't. So we could talk about relationships all day. And a lot of the time we do on this, this podcast, if anybody's listened to us before, they know that. Um, but I don't want to keep you all day. So shifting gears a little bit, um, what are some of the trends you're seeing in apparel uh, or apparel decoration right now? I mean, what are your customers asking for the most you know, when it comes to product, uh, especially, or even if it's you know dec specific decoration methods or um, you know colors, whatever. I mean, what, what are just some of the more cutting edge things you guys are doing? Um. I'm seeing a lot of attention being put into hats right now, embroidery. You know, that's where a lot of, because there's just, people are taking hats and they're sewing patches on them. I was going to say, I've seen a ton of that lately and it, it looks great. Or sewing a leather patch on it, you know, that's been lasered, you know, multiple decorations. How fancy can we make this hat? Um, I'm seeing direct to garment printing happening on hats, screen printed transfers happening on hats. It's not just about embroidery anymore. Embroidery still is the golden standard for how to decorate a hat, but people are taking hats and putting labels on them. People are taking hats. It's either, you know, tags that you're putting on hats or puff or lasering or applique or woven labels or um, sublimated labels. Like there's just tons of action happening in hats right now, which is kind of fun. It's hard because embroidery is a, uh, man, we can screen print a lot of things really fast. And embroidery is nowhere near as fast as screen printing. You know, for every hat, it doesn't matter how many machines you have, every hat takes, you know, a couple minutes to hoop and get right. And then every hat 
takes five minutes to sew out. And then every hat, you have to meticulously trim it and make sure it's precious, quality control. Like, but hats, I think hats are, are, are hot right now and different types of hats. Of, but, and even just looking at the hats that are available online um, through our standard distribution channels, um, they are, uh, there are lots and lots and lots of different styles. It's kind of a nightmare to sell a hat, TBOs. T-shirts are easy, you know, it's like, what do you like? You like a brand, there's five of them, you've heard of them. Um, what color do you want? Do you need, what kind of cut do you want? T-shirts are a lot more straightforward. Um, decoration on shirts, um, I'm seeing mixed decoration, <clears throat> direct to garment, screen printing plus embroidery. You know, that's fancy and that's fun, but people are doing that. I think extra little accoutrements that you can add onto shirts, like you put a, a woven label here, or you add a woven label to like the hem tag for you. I'm, I'm a big fan of the, uh, the, when the shirt has a front pocket and you get a little pocket decoration, looks like something's yeah, coming up like out that of too. it. That's good stuff. Yeah. Um, what else, man? Um, sublimation is not something we do a lot of, but sublimated polos are blowing up right now, um, especially with cut and sew facilities. So we have a good relationship with the cut and sew facility. We, de we developed that when we were making masks. So when we pivoted, um, when we pivoted during the pandemic, it was the it was easy for your local screen printer. We had access to kind of well, eventually we had a lot of access to masks and then decorating the masks. And so masks masks uh, you know stretched us when it came to we screen printed, we embroidered, we put patches on them. Like however many however people want masks, we will decorate masks. But that uh, masks was kind of a a new thing that we dabbled into. I don't know what the long-term um, play on masks is, but I do know that one of the greatest things that came out of our mask thing was our relationship we set up with the cut and, cut and sew facility. Uh, full sublimated printing, cut it, sew it. We can get a mask, we can get a gator, we can get a polo shirt, we can get a, uh, we can get gloves, we can get socks, we can get shorts. Um, basketball jerseys, soccer jerseys, football jerseys. So that, I think sublimation, cut and sew, it's slow, it's slower than embroidery, but I do think that it is a elevated um, product that could be offered that, um, we've, that I'm seeing a lot more of right now. Very cool. Well, we kept you for, uh, it looks like we're about six minutes over the time we gave you when we set this up. Uh, is there anything else you want to add before we let you get back to your day? Man, I just, I would love to know more about the promotional products world and i would love to know i'd love to know how as a screen printer we could serve you guys better um we those those opportunities to do jobs like either come really fast and then we never see that person again so we rarely get feedback we don't have a ton of relationships with people that just have persistent kind of wholesale um orders from from your industry specifically um and so that's, that's where I would, I'm, I sit on a board in the screen printing world, uh, the garment decorators or apparel decorators committee with SGI or printing United. And we talk about this all the time. Like how do we, how can we support the community and how can we add what we do? How can we add value to the overall, like, you know, just decoration of craft industry. And if so, yeah, if there's an opportunity to, um, you know, work with anybody, you know, like you guys are giants and we would love to, uh, we're looking to develop new relationships. Um, you can keep up with my life, Justin T. Lawrence at 
um, well, Justin T. Lawrence Instagram. And then my email is justin at oklahomashirtcompany.com. You're welcome to reach out anytime. Um, even if you have questions or if you have a pain in the ass uh, garment decorator that you're working with and like, how do we get this right? Man, resource me. I love, um, I w- I'm going to be in this scene for a long time and uh, education is is really important to me. And so if there's something that I can do to help move the needle or help the industry along, um, I'm, I'm honored and happy and thrilled to do that. And you want all the rush orders, right? Everybody send your rush, <laughs> rush orders your way. On. Bring it on. I'll say no. If we can't do it, I'll say no. But if we can say, if we can do it, well, hell yeah, we'll say yeah. Perfect. Well, we really appreciate you coming on, being our Obi-Wan for the day. Um, I think I'm, I'm coming out of this the wiser. I feel like I could levitate something with my mind now. Um, but this, this is all good stuff, and uh, we really appreciate it. Sean, thank you, Brandon. Thank you. And uh, may the fourth be with you. And also with you. <laughs> Well, that about does it for this episode. If you like what you heard, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Uh, listen on Spotify. You can check us out basically wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any such comments, you can send them our way on Twitter. We are at promo underscore marketing. As always, thanks for listening, everybody. I am Sean Norris for Brendan Metapace. This is the Promo Marketing Podcast.